Hey, Hope family, it's good to be back with another Hope Daily. Yesterday, we posted on this Hope Daily feed the recording of our first ever post-service Q&A, and that was a lot of fun to do, and I'm excited about the prospects of what that could be, the ability to have a place, a forum, where uh, you all can ask questions that have been on your mind, and we can kind of engage in that together. So you know, going forward, that will be posted only on our main church podcast feed and our YouTube feed. It won't be on the Hope Daily feed. So you'll be able to find it again on the Hope Christian Fellowship podcast feed. It will be on our website. It'll be on the YouTube page. Plenty of places to find it. But don't expect to find it too frequently on our Hope Daily feed. We just wanted to make sure that the word got out since it's a new thing. And remember that we want and really we need your input for this to be a thing. So swiftpolling.com is the website where you can go to submit questions. You'll be asked to enter an event code. And for at least the time being, the event code is 24424. And you can submit questions there. And I'm actually preaching this weekend. So if you're listening to this before the 18th, then bring your hard questions. All right, I can handle it. I'm up to the task. Um, But yes, submit your questions. And we would love to answer those at our post-service Q&A. Today, we are going to jump into the first of seven messages that Jesus sent to the churches of Asia Minor in the book of Revelation. So, so we will be in Revelation 2 verses 1 to 7. Let's read those now. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet, this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. We know much about Ephesus. Paul wrote a letter to them that we have preserved in our scripture. Paul wrote to Timothy, who was the elder of the church in Ephesus. He wrote to him twice. And here John addresses them. Well, Jesus through John. We know that Ephesus was a wealthy city. It was a very learned city. It was pretty egalitarian as well. Their main pagan deity was a woman. Uh, Some have hypothesized that this role that women played in uh, the Ephesian society is why we have in the book of Ephesians, Paul talking about uh, submitting to one another. Um, And then in 1 Timothy, he's talking about the role of women in leadership. It would not have been uncommon for women to not just have power, but perhaps even a disproportionate amount of the power in a city like Ephesus. But all of this to say that they were doing pretty well. Ephesus, they had money, education, freedom, and all of these things equate to power. And as I said on Monday, power will play a role in all of these messages to the churches. And here, the stated problem 
with Ephesus is in verse 4. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Why do I suggest that this relates to power? Because of verses 2 and 3, the Ephesians have been testing those who would claim to be apostles but are actually false teachers. They put them to the test. They have been exposed they have been exposing those seeking to take advantage of the church. Now this is a good thing. This is a righteous job to do. But it is one that can only be done with power. The one who is subordinate does not test and expose the one who wields power. It is the powerful who are the ones that can hold others' feet to the fire. And let me say here that there is a broader conversation happening in our culture right now about power. And in that conversation, there are some who hold to the fact that power is always bad, that power is a bad thing. If you find yourself in a place of power, you are a bad person. I'm not saying that. Power is not always bad. Christ said that all authority or all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus then bestowed that authority, that power onto his disciples. So power can be a good thing, but we know through experience that power can also be abused. So are the Ephesians actually abusing power or not? I think there's two tests or two questions that we can look at to see if if that's happening. The first is, are we using our power that we have for righteous means? Here, I would say that the church in Ephesus passes that test. They are exposing liars and false teachers, and the Bible consistently speaks strongly against false teachers. So the way that they are using their power is bringing about a righteous end. It is exposing liars, false teachers. It is protecting the church in Ephesus. But the second test that we must uh, look at our power usage through is, are we using it lovingly? Jesus emptied himself of power for the sake of others, that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He took on the form of a servant. And because he had authority but acted as a servant, it made his service so much greater. When a servant acts like a servant, we don't think anything of it. But when someone who is powerful acts like a servant, it takes on new meaning. When Jesus teaches with authority, he teaches for the sake of correction and ultimate restoration, not to promote himself or some other self-serving means. His followers then are to do the same. And here is where I think Ephesus fails. Because right after talking about how they have done well in testing these so-called apostles, Jesus says they have abandoned the love they had at first. This job that they're doing righteous as it may appear, has become about something other than serving Christ and his church. It has become about something other than love. This has become a duty, perhaps. They are working without growing weary, John says, or it says, Jesus says to John. So maybe instead of out of love, it has become simply a job. But I think it's also possible that this has become about power. They take pleasure in proving people wrong and showcasing their ability to spot a liar. They enjoy that they are knowledgeable enough to know who is truly of God and who is not. The ends are the same, but Jesus is telling them that the means matter. How we get to righteousness matters as much as how we get there. Let us not abandon the love that motivated us at the beginning. So this morning, that's the challenge that I leave with you. Have you abandoned the love you had at the beginning? 
in the areas where you have power or authority or influence over others? Are you using that lovingly? I would encourage you to apply that question and that lens to all areas of life. Certainly your walk with the Lord. Perhaps you are still performing righteously. You are in God's word. You are serving at the church. You are even challenging false teachers. But are you performing lovingly? Apply this question to other relationships. You have influence in your marriage. You have influence in your parenting. You have influence in friendships and at your job. Perhaps there was those things, at one point you loved your role there, but now it has become about something else. It has become about duty, or it has become about setting yourself up as the one who is in charge. Can you return to the love that you once had?